Welcome to the Everyday Sniper. You got Frank from Snipers. Hoid! And I'm here to follow up and get caught up because I've been slacking with you guys. Haven't said anything in a while. Been busy running around. Lots of trips. A bunch of stuff to talk about. But it all got thrown together and mashed into a stew. And it was like, I'm going this way. Mark's going that way. This guy's going that way. Uh, it's crazy. But there is a ton to talk about, and I'm going to start right out by telling you we're going to be bringing these more often again. I'm done traveling. I'm done with the craziness. I'm done doing all the, you know, the nuts kind of situations. So we're going to kind of standardize this and bring it back to you on a better schedule. Uh, so we're going to kill these Knowledge Bomb editions and kind of throw them away. And next Monday when you come out with a new one, it's going to be brandy new for everybody, or Tuesday I'll do it, and we're going to start out with that so you guys have fresh new podcasts, fresh new things to talk about, because we're playing with a lot of new stuff again, man. It's kind of getting really crazy. The work I'm doing with Chris Way, the things we're seeing with Mark and how that's going, and it's funny because the more I work with Chris, the more I'm seeing the need for what I do with Mark. And even like Chris Way is starting to see that and some of the other guys. But um, I'm just going to back up and try to cover this as best I can. And, and it'll be a bit, Frank, scatterbrained with no uh, particular order of any things. But let's kind of go with the trips and ending the season in the classes. One, the classes went really well. I want to thank everybody for a great training season. Um, we just, it it's sort of leapfrogged. We, we've reached people and we're able to kind of make these grounds. But I think a combination of the weaponized math, the focus on the bipod and the rear bag, and then just hammering those fundamentals has really, really changed the way we're doing the basic precision rifle class. I mean, we have this down so well right now. And and honestly, like our two-day class just cruises and just makes everybody so much better so quick. But it's basic. It's down. It's dirty. It's getting you cleaned up. It's getting you actionable data. It's getting you good data. And then it's like allowing you to move on from there. Well, then that brings us to sort of our three-day classes. And right now, the three-day classes for us are looking like the best option for anything. I mean, the three-day classes are flowing really well. It gives us that ability to clean up. It gives us the ability to catch up if we have to due to weather. And it gives us that ability to go in other directions when the classes move Um at an accelerated rate. You know what I mean? When If a class is actually cruising along, I mean, we, we get some classes, we've reached a thousand yards and we've doped them and everything's good by one o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday. You'll get another class that might not get there till three o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday. So, you know, it allows you that much more time to do different things. And believe it or not, those two hours when you only have people for two and a half days, roughly makes a big difference. So um, we went out to the classes. We went to Andrew's place in Ohio. We're really liking what's going on with Andrew's place. We broke out the mover there. He has a Carl Taylor mover. We were able to use that really well worked out. But Andrew's place was fantastic. Only downside, we had some really wicked winds on one day. And it was just, oh, the winds were driving us so crazy with some of the calibers. I mean, it... it and this is going to play into something I'm going to talk about in a minute, too, with Chris. Because we were talking different winds and things uh, recently. But we're really, really liking the atmosphere and the situation around Ohio and where we're doing with Andrew. Now, that's not to say we just came off of Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania wasn't fantastic. You guys in Pennsylvania really step up, really, I mean, it's just those classes. We did four days with the guys in Pennsylvania. And a lot of students, and some of them stayed over, a lot stayed over. So we had probably a, a good solid third of those students stayed for four days. Makes for great atmosphere. On top of that, just the East Coast crew, just the, the, the attitudes and everything are just so great. East Coast guys just stepped 
up. I mean, their equipment was so good. Their shooting was so good. They were shooting little bitty targets in some switchy wind conditions, and they allowed us to do some accuracy things and work up and down that that mountain or the hill, whatever you want to look at. But it was a really, really good class. And my takeaway, and, and I'm going to bring this up in a minute, but it's on my my kind of chosen bandwagon lately. I go to the Pennsylvania class, and I got Kevin in there who's shooting an MPA Valkyrie, right? He's a Curtis Action Valkyrie, whole thing, uh, vision chassis. And he's got the hand loads I've been talking about, all right? So he goes to 28 grains, uh, CFE 223, and he's doing 1.6 overall to Ojive, right? Oh, my God, that load was insane. And to talk to Valkyrie and everything, I got to do a shout out to MDT. So I, I called MDT out because I'm trying to run the Valkyrie. I'm trying to run the Valkyrie, and I had a mag issue. MDT, I, I call I called them out on the podcast, and the next day I got a note from MDT. Hey, we got your podcast. We heard about you. MDT, man, is everywhere. They're good. They know what's going on. I, it's one of those stock companies. I go on their website and buy the stuff and don't call them up and say, hey, man, what do you do for me? I just go buy it because it's worth it. It has no problem for me to go get it. But anyway, MDT, my Valkyrie mags. I shoot. The rounds fall down in, they rattle, they don't move, they don't feed, they do that. Within like 48 hours, I have new followers come uh, from them. I install the new followers, game changers work 100%. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, everybody there at MDT. Um, You guys stepped up and we really, really appreciate you doing that. Now, that tells me my Valkyrie's working great. Now, I can feed it, I can load it. I'm shooting the 90s. At 27.85. Okay, 27.85 on the 90s. I like the results I'm getting. I think the results are good. However, I believe the results can be better. And so I put the charge out to you guys. Like, because I'm busy, I'm running around. I just brought, like, this is going to tie in. I just brought my reloading stuff here this week. I just put it together. In fact, I brought, I ordered new desk, uh, not desk, but um, workbench. So I can change them over my reloading over to an actual proper bench and do it. Because right now I have it on one of those Lee tripods and, and it's just mounted that way. So it's portable, um, but it works. You know what I mean? I got a, a, a reading press to, and, and everything works on that tripod, but I'm going to move it and, and, and create a reloading area. Anyway, so Kevin comes in and, and I say to you guys, man, I think this is going to work. I think this can do better because understand the Valkyrie was sold is a gas gun, right? Get that long range out of your short gas gun. AR-15s to 1,000 yards. But they never talked about it in a bolt gun. And they didn't do anything with it with the bolt gun. You know, we are. And it's phenomenal in a bolt gun. And this is the, 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 the kind of, ugh. So... Everything load-wise was loaded for the gassers. So they're in that, say, let's call it 2750 as a standard across the board. They're shooting for 2750 to shoot out of the semi-autos. Well, now you go and we look at the bolt guns. Well, we could suffer a lot more velocity, number one. But number two, let's look at the GTs, the Creedmoor. 22 GT, 22 Creedmoor. Those guys are pushing over 3,000 feet per second and having a success. So that's a clue. We go back down to the Valkyrie. So the 90s out of my bolt gun, and I'm doing the left-hand gain twist, big horn origin action. The bolt gun action was like less than 1,800 bucks for me. Uh, whole thing, put it together, shoots phenomenal. Got it in a JP chassis. Love the JP chassis. Fits me great. Nice balance for me. Nice stock for me. The whole thing. I like it. Anyway, I got that guy put together. 27.85. Kevin shows up with 85 fives. Great BC. Long, thin bullet. Looks nothing like the 90. Right? Just visually. Let's just talk visual. Nothing like it. Better, better, better. 85.5, 85.5, so I'm a, I'm a tick lighter, so that helps me with speed, and I got good BCs and all that stuff. All I need to do is step up to it. 
So Kevin's running 2950. 2950. Think about that. 2950. The thing smokes 7.7 mils at a thousand yards. At sea level in Pennsylvania with a DA of 1,500, 7.7 mils. I'm shooting a 12-inch plate on command at 1040 with 8.3. I got a guy in the class getting ready to shoot the Ed Land sniper comp with his game gun. He's 8.2. Okay. So I'm putting it together. I'm getting ready to load it up. I got some stuff happening here. I just started kind of assembling. I brought some brass from the range, tumbling them all up, getting them all set up. So now I just got to get my processes and some pieces parts. I had to wait for a 6.8 shell holder to come in, a couple other things that need to come in that I didn't have that weren't necessarily right, right in front of me. So I'm getting ready. I got brass prepped. I got things. I just started loading them up. I, I, the one thing I need and I had to get is a different funnel. Believe it or not, I had to pick up a different funnel. My, I had the big metal funnels, a 6.5, 30 cal and all that. And when I first started to drop some with the funnel, I noticed a tiny bit of gr- uh, powder around the edge on one of them. And when I weighed them at the end, it was slightly off. And I was like, ooh. So I ain't doing that. So I ordered a 22 cal, like a little bitty funnel. Um, But that was my only kind of negative that I'm waiting on. Like I said, I had to get a shell holder. That took a minute to come in. I had to get a couple small things. But I go to Mile High. And Mile High's got CFE on the shelf. They got small rifle primers on the shelf. They got 85.5s on the shelf. I got tons of brass because I've been shooting the snot out of it. And so... I really, really, really think this is like the secret sauce for the Valkyrie. That 2950, I mean, anything over 2850 is probably where it needs to be. We probably can run it to 2850 and be fine. But I really think it wants to be over 29. And I and I, re, I believe the 22s like that little more speed. I mean, I don't, I don't shoot them a lot, but I, the little bit I do shoot them and what I'm observing from others around me shooting, you know, the, the Creedmoor, the GT, the, the other 22 variants, they go speed. Think about the 22-250 stuff and, and, the, and the Prairie Dog stuff. I mean, oh, dogs are back on Fort Morgan. Guys, if you come to Fort Morgan, you can get dogs. Because I'm giving you guys dogs to shoot. They're at 800 to 1,000 yards. You know, it's like shooting a per dog at about 1,000 yards, man. It is fun as hell, but it's tricky as shit. Because the trick is trying to nail the elevation. Uh, I smoked another one with the Valkyrie. Got one with the Valkyrie at 7-something. And then I got another one at like 9, I think it was. Um, uh, One of the guys, I had a guy out here from the UK, Dan. And he got his... At 9.55, we did the math backwards. Used eight mils with uh, my, he used my TAC Ops uh, 6.5 in the uh, Apollo, Terminus Apollo. He was shooting that rifle. I was like, guy come over from the UK. He's like, hey, I want to shoot. Um, you know, come out and meet you and shoot at the range and do this. I'm like, yeah, I got my AIs. I'll bring this AI. He's like, man, I can shoot AI. He shoots for AI. He's a team AI guy. He's like, I can shoot an AI back there. I want to shoot a tack ops and I'm like, okay, cool, dude. Yeah, I'll get you some other stuff. So we brought out a couple different things and, and let him shoot, but he had the tack ops and the tack ops took a prairie dog at 9.55. It was a pretty good shot too. Um, it, it wasn't bad, but yeah, so we're, we're doing that out at Fort Morgan. But yeah, I'm, I'm really, we were on the right track with the Valkyrie. I don't think it was given a fair shakeout. I understand what happened and I don't blame him. It sucks because, I mean, think about this. Brian Way, Brian Whalen, with the Valkyrie we shot to the, the mile, the 2100, his Valkyrie that we shot early, early, early on in the videos. When you see there's two or three videos with me and Brian Whalen on YouTube, he just burnt the barrel out on that rifle at 9,000 rounds. Think about if you got 7,000 rounds 
out of a game gun with that speed. So if we go to 2950 and you get 7,000 rounds, even 5,000 rounds, at 2950 out of a Valkyrie with no recoil, no heat, good for kids, good for women. I mean, it's just there. And then once you kind of balance it, so we were looking at this and we were we were looking. So Chris, we were out doing some stuff. And Chris, I mean, when we start announcing classes for the Riflecraft USA, we got this thing down now. For you comp guys. Okay, so fundamental Frank. I'm telling you to come to Frank and Mark classes. I'm telling you, hey, man, you guys should look at, um, you know, basics. You got to learn the trade before you learn the tips and tricks, right? So you got to learn that trade. So you come to Frank and Mark and you learn the trade. And we got that shit down. I mean, no must, no wasted time, no wasted ammo. You're coming in. You're going to learn this shit. We're going to create a clone. You're going to know how to dope your rifle out properly. And again, doping your rifle is a process, not an event, right? So you got to dope that stuff out right. Well, then you go, you start competing a little bit. You're doing this and you hit your plateau. I'm always landing right here. I can't get off this plateau. Is it everybody's just better than you or is you practicing wrong? Who knows what's going on, but you're on a plateau. And now I want to get off this plateau. So we got the Riflecraft USA. And the first thing we're going to do, like anything, we have to assess where you are. Same thing with my fundamental eval. My fundamental eval is more simplistic because we're only checking a certain amount of things. It's still a 20-point checklist but I'm checking these 20 things that when you look at it, come down to about 30 seconds worth of activity. Okay. If I, if I say I'm going to shoot my gun and I stand up with a mag in my hand with five rounds in it, and I'm going to lay down and shoot those five rounds from the time I lay down to the time that first shot goes off, that's kind of like a 30 seconds of the fundamentals. You know what I mean? And then from there, you just need to be consistent in your application. Well, with the comps, with the positional, with the off your belly, with the clock, with the targets, with the wind. Now the competition and putting all that together in your shot process is a lot more involved. So we have to look at how consistent are you in putting all those elements together shot after shot, stage after stage. And this is where we've hit on a model. We didn't, it's not, hey, come here and watch me and do what I do. Because that's what most people do. You go to a class, right? It's come here and watch me and then do what I do. Well, like my approach is different. I want to see what you bring to the table. I'm going to say you're doing this wrong, this wrong, and this wrong. Let's try to correct this. And there's certain high level elements that I'm not talking about because of your body type because of your position you know what I mean who you are your individualism because that's a comfort element the seat in my car is extremely different than the seat in your car even if you have the same car as me our seats are wildly different okay seats and mirrors and steering wheel I got a seat I got a mirror I got a steering wheel those are all in three different places than yours so I want to look at where you're at and then try to adjust that for you. And then from there, we can look at high-level elements. I mean, a high-level element that you can understand might be something as simple as shoulders in front of the hips for recoil management. You line your shoulders up in front of your hips. That'll help you with recoil management when you're off your belly, right? Something like that. That We're talking like truisms, the high-level things that... How you get there is a function of you. Just know you want to be there, right? That's that comfort element. I want to feel this way when I do this. How do I get to that feeling? That's what we're talking about, okay? See what I mean? That's what I'm talking about. So this is where we're working with this stuff. This is kind of why I haven't been out... Because I'm, I'm experimenting, I'm learning, I'm writing it down, I'm putting notes in there, I'm observing, scientific method, right? I'm observing 
I'm seeing what people are doing and I'm going back and I'm creating solutions for these problems. Biggest problem we see. Biggest problem. I suffer it. Most people I know do. The mental mistakes. Keeping all of these things in your mind. We qualified it. We figured out how to do it. We can push you to the point. Go A. Go B. Go C. Oh, look at these starting to fall apart. These total fuck up. Now we know what to fix. We know you can go from here to here to here and you're good. But now you start going here to here and you're falling apart because they're adding layers. So now we have to look at how are you managing the conditions, the rules. Like you got to shoot target one from front to back, from left to right, from near to far, from threat to right. You know what I mean? All the little stupid things they throw in mentally. Shoot A, bank your shot on C, come back to B. You know, and you know what I mean? It's, it's that stuff. You're going to transition to your left. You're going to shoot the KYO rack until you don't miss. Shoot one, shoot two. Okay, I got two. I'm going to bank them now. I'm going to go and transition over to here, and I got to shoot the bank target in order to keep my point. You know, all the little things they throw in to a stage. That's where people start to fall down because they're not doing speed really as much They're not doing movement. What they're doing is they're making you think more and memorize more order of engagements, right? One to two to three to four to five to six to A to B to C to D to E to F, right? So you got to have this cadence. You have to have this memorization of your alphabet. You have to know, you know, elemental P, that kind of, oh shit, I got to do elemental P? What the fuck, man? That kind of stuff. And so we figured that out and we can now look at that and how to create scenarios, training to help you with that as well as the build and breaks. I mean, we were there yesterday, um, we went out to the range um, and Chris and out there shooting, we're doing stuff, we're looking at these plates, we're, we're, we're filtering in not only target size, how fast, how quick, how far can you go into how small the target, right? Getting smaller and smaller and smaller. We got the big target, the 1M away, the big, the 1M away. Can you do both, right? But then we're looking at the splits and our times. Where are we coming in? And to the point, and I think this is important, to the point where we're looking at things like go... On a, on a, let, let, well, let's just talk about this, uh, a, a barricade. I, I think the skill stage, the barricade, the way it's shot today is dumb. It's contrived. It, and we looked at it where if you go up and you go like the standing and then slide over the six inches to the standing, right? So you shoot left side standing, right side standing. Two shots left, two shots right. Well, if you move up to that, our splits are at one point. But if you're forced to go left side kneeling, right side kneeling, and then same target versus different target, we're looking at that. What do your times look like if you got to go right side kneeling target A, left side kneeling target C? Or... Right side standing target A, left side kneeling target B. You know what I mean? Like that. Because it changes the times. How, and and we're looking at, like especially on our range in field matches and everything we're doing out here, think of the NRL hunters. Think of the different courses where you have to find it, range it, and engage it. How do we burn in these reference points? So we're looking at, like in my range, I have targets that sort out in the middle of nowhere and there's nothing around them and you don't have a reference point. And then I have another target that's kind of like 30 degrees south of that that appears similar. But if you go up to the horizon, there's a double gate junction fence that if you come straight down, down the right side, there's the plate. So then it becomes a case of looking at these reference points. 
And it's something we do in the competition dynamics matches because you're finding them, ranging them, engaging them. You're walking your partner onto those and you have to communicate and you need these reference points from that to this over to here. How many mills, how far away fingers mills. So you need to communicate in a way that's quick and efficient. You know what I'm saying? And so this is the things we're looking at that go beyond your trigger press. Okay. That's it's, 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 we're going beyond the guided tour guides. Yeah. We are telling you, you're going to come. We're going to assess you first thing in the morning with some of the fundamental stuff. We're going to check your dope and make sure you've got your processes right with your data because we do see a lot of guys that are coming in and their dope is just off enough. Like two tenths every third range is off just enough to miss a small target. And we're working on that, right? And so we do these assessments and all that. Then we want to see what you bring to the table, your skills, Then from there, we're going to start moving you through on a guided kind of like you're going to shoot what would almost be a match. And then we're going to observe you and we're going to be watching you and scoring you, but we're scoring you in a different way. We're not scoring you tap hit, right? I hit it. No, we're scoring you and we're saying, where did you hit it? Why did you hit it there? See the difference? Go to a match. Hit point. Come to us, not quite good enough. Why? Why did you hit it there? What were you holding? What were you doing? What information were you using? What was your process? What went through your head just prior to breaking the shot that told you to put your reticle where you put it? We need to know that because that's how we're going to get into there and rewire it so now you're thinking in a different way and it's resonating you know what i mean the more we're doing this with chris we're ready now man we're resonating with that class mark and i have that down in pennsylvania i experimented with my pr2 i did a new pr2 wildly new and i let those guys see it for the first time and they all loved it they thought it was really good i don't really do a pr2 i do the, the two-day class will have a PR2. If any place we do a two-day class, we'll have a PR2. But mostly, we're trying to go to three-day three classes now. And that three-day class format allows us to do much of those PR2 things in PR1. So I'm mixing that in a little bit and doing it that way. And the drills I have and the process that we're going through, the order of things, I think, is resonating really well with everybody looking at positionals, looking at tripods, looking at bags. I break it down simplistically, right? We got tripods and bags, really. And so we're, we're, we're breaking it down in sort of this Barney style. And, and I think that's, that's really, really working good. So kind of like my end of the year, end of the season, consider this the wrap-up. Consider this like the end of this block of podcasts that I'm going to bring something new out to you guys. But this is what we're learning, how to get to the point, how to simplify this for maximum impact and to get you guys out and operating at a higher level quicker. You know what I mean? Higher level, quicker stuff, man. That's what we're really, really looking to do with this. And, and like I said, it's just been a fantastic season the, the way you guys are responding to the information we're putting out, the way it's resonating on the targets downrange. I mean, like Pennsylvania, one of the classes. So we do the eval. You're going to shoot a five-shot group. What do you show us? No instruction, right? Just do it. We don't care how you do it. Just do it. Well, then we rip you down and we're going to be like, all right, dude, we're, we're tearing up everything you've done. No, don't put your finger there. Put your finger here. Don't put your body like this. Put your body like this. Don't put your foot like this. Put your foot like that. Put your elbow over here. Put your wrist like this. Put your trigger finger over here. Your thumb over there. We're, we're moving a lot. So there's a tear down. 
right? We got to tear you down and then build you back up as the clones Mark always talks about. So we're tearing you down and then we're going to build you back up. You know what I mean? So I do that. Well, we had a guy that like during that first group, like the first, maybe the first two or three, including the eval, I don't know which one, if he was counting the eval or not, but you got the eval. Let's say the first three, including the eval. He shot a group bigger at 100 yards initially. Then on the third day, when we shot a 300-yard group, his 300-yard group was smaller than his 100-yard group in the beginning of the class. Think about that. It's, it, it's focus on the shooter. Focus on the shooter. Focus on the shooter. The rest will come. You know what I mean? And and honestly, with the Chris stuff too, this is what I'm seeing. Huge, huge, huge. Because it, it it allowed, because I, I mean, the nice thing is we're seeing a bunch of you comp guys coming in. There's competition scars. Okay? People have comp scars. And what I'm noticing, the number one comp scar is the positional, is the bag, is in line with what Mark is saying. With the rear bag thing, the the compromise in the rear bag and the emphasis Mark puts on the back of the rifle comes into play when there is no rear bag at the back of the rifle. It's actually at the front. What Mark's talking about is in the back, but the negative effect is in the front. What I'm talking about is in the back. And the negative effect is in the front. And they're identical. And what it is, is when you guys are in your position, it's the recoil pulse. I'm watching your recoil pulse. If you're getting any lift out of your muzzle, that's a fundamental problem in positional and in comp shooting. You can't have any lift in the muzzle. It has to come straight back or not move at all with the fancy brakes. So if you're on a bag on a tripod, it could be on a bag on a barricade, bag on a tripod, but not clipped in. I'm resting rifle on a bag on whatever prop you want to use. And if you're getting any rocking, any lift, any movement in the front, that's a fixable problem. And that's what's causing some of these misses and some of the things because that and in speed wise, what I see some people do is like Lemon's a great example. He does stuff with the Guardian. He was out here with Chris. We were doing classes. So I, I got Lemon on the clock. I'm watching Lemon and Lemon's fast as fuck. He's fast. But what I noticed is he's peeling his finger away to get to the bolt, and when he peels, because of the way he does his trigger finger, when he peels off, when he goes too fast, he pulls the rifle to the side, and that's his miss, right? So it's like hit, hit, miss, hit, hit, miss, because he's peeling and he's going so fast that he's pulling the rifle up. The other thing I notice people do when they go fast is whole hand. They're pulling the trigger with their hand instead of pressing the trigger with their finger. They're pulling the trigger with their hand instead of pressing the trigger with their finger. That lifts the front up. So now your good data is not good data anymore. You're a tenth off. And on them smaller plates, it's why you're always just slight. Smaller plates and diamonds. You're always just slightly off, but when you go back and you dope and you're prone and there's no stress and no time, you have no problem hitting those plates because it's the time factor. It's the, right? What's, what's the advanced class? What's a PR2? Fundamentals faster from alternate positions or positions other than prone. Fundamentals faster from positions other than prone. It's that easy. Can you execute your fundamentals quicker from other positions without compromising them or screwing them up? 
And for a lot of people, the answer is no. And that's where those inconsistent, tiny little misses come from. Right? I mean, I don't know if you guys can tell, man, I'm in a different zone right now. I needed to kind of get this out of my system. I needed to go in there, clear my heads. I needed to look at things in a different way, in a, in a wider variety, right? Because we get tunnel visioned. And so now I'm looking at these things on Chris's side, Way's side, on the comp side. I'm seeing the comp people. I mean, I see him. I go to him. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm onesie twosies, but I'm watching. But now I get to bring them in and I actually could focus on them and I could find where to fix them. And I could see where the scars show up. And that stuff's key, man. That stuff's key. It's, it's beyond just saying, I shoot comps. I shoot comps well. You should listen to what I have to say. You know, that kind of mindset. Well, yeah, I won that. So take my class. Okay, well, how'd you win it? Well, I won it. Well, okay, well, how? Was it your load? Was it this? What were you doing different? Were you doing anything different? Were you executing these things better? Can you see where people fall down? Or do you just see they miss the target? See you miss the target. Tell me why. Well, he don't know, but do you? I see you miss the target. I know why. Mark does the same thing. Not, don't worry, forget it. He did this. He dove in the bag. Don't count that. He'll tell, he'll tell me, hey man, come down. Nope, don't even listen. Don't even do that. That's not right. Yeah, that's the wrong one. Okay, because he sees it. We're in your face. If the guy you went to is teaching you from behind the spotter, then that's like a trace class and maybe you should get on a spotter too. But you got to have somebody at the student. You got to be out there and be off the spotter. I mean, a lot of times people will be like, during our final eval or something, if you've been to our class, oh, what target are we shooting? I don't care. I don't care what target you shoot. I want to see you. Pick the easiest target you want. If that's what makes you feel good and makes you, I'm going to watch you execute. Really, you should pick the target that's on the edge of where you feel you're successful. So if you think you're good at six, you know, do seven. If you think you're good at five, do six. That kind of stuff, pick a plate. But in those final evals and those things like where we don't, because it doesn't matter what target you shoot. What target I shoot? Everybody want, what target am I shooting? What target am I shooting? I don't care, dude. Shoot whatever you want. We just want to see you shoot five shots. Hey, you're going to come down here. You're going to demonstrate you have the ability to shoot a five-shot shot group with us. What target do I shoot? I don't care. Pick one. You know what I mean? It's like, how much ammo do I bring? Don't run out. So if we told you to bring 200 for the weekend, don't show up with 20 on the first day. <laughs> you know? But anyway... I don't know. I think this is going to be good. I'm going to come and start bringing you these about every four days. I'm going to go back to my my crazy schedule where I'm going to talk a lot more. Um, we're going to kind of tie this into the site. I may do every other going to be live streamed. So maybe I'll do every one of these live on the hide and you guys can pop in and ask real-time questions that way. If I do it live with the chat box in front of me and then broadcast it after, you guys can come in and ask me a question. So we can look at it that way where while I'm live and doing that particular episode, if you're watching the video, I can answer it there. But then if you're listening to the podcast, I'll record the podcast separately and then that'll get put through Podbean and those guys will be able to listen to it. But you can kind of pop in and ask me questions. I want to get a better pipeline for you guys to ask me questions. Like we've the, the Podbean app is good. I can go into the Podbean app. So if you guys wanted to jump on that Podbean app, to do questions again, but let's consider the next block of these Everyday Sniper podcasts a Q&A type where we'll try to go every other where I'm going to be answering some of your questions or at least blocks of them. So um, Sniper Side's a good way through the website. You can ask me questions to answer on the podcast. Um, we can put that for active podcast. I could put a thread in for that. The Podbean app, I can check prior to me going live as well. I'll check the previous day's podcast and get us caught up so we have the podcast options and then um you can always facebook messenger me but i'm not a big fan of the messenger and the facebook stuff and anything like that um that's going on so uh you know there we are 
I've just started. So going into next year and with, with the classes and everything, people are asking and we're already, I started a thread. There's Sniper's Hide training, right? Announcements. There's Sniper's Hide training course announcements. There is a stuck thread up at the top. That'll be Sniper's Hide 2023. That'll be the Mark and Frank classes. I will get a rifle craft one to put up as well. And we'll have, and those will run through Chris. So the sniper's hide ones run through Mark and myself. Those go through our portals and all that. Any rifle craft, you'll reach out to Chris and I'll double check on his portal, but I'll put a link on sniper's hide to Chris's portal. So you can reach Chris's for his rifle craft USA He's got the Straight Dope Podcast. I'm hiccuping. I don't know why. Yeah, oxygen. Not breathing. Anyway, my nose is stuffed again. But anyway, um, he's got the Straight Dope Podcast. Listen to his podcast for announcements. He'll have his website and things like that. Anything you guys want to do on the comp side, on the Riflecraft USA, even if it's something unique, maybe you got several guys in a team. The thing with Chris is we can do smaller groups of people. Where if I do a Mark and Frank class, we want eight to 10 people at a minimum. A Chris and Frank class can be four people, could be two people. We really don't care because it's local for us and you can come out and the way it operates, we're fine with less people in that format. But if you wanted something unique, something special, a group, a team, a bunch of guys that want to come up together, I would reach out to Chris because uh, he can coordinate a nice little um, a little party package for you guys and do it that way. And there's enough in there where you'll have some solid days of shooting. He's even talking about raising the round count because of the mental aspect of it to 250 because we have to run the drills to push you to fail. Basically, we're running stages that get increasingly complex until you basically fall apart. But in order to do that, you got to shoot more. And so that runs around, counts up a little bit. But um, Sniper's Hide, we got the app, we're in the forum, training announcements in that area. The podcast, you guys know, listening right now, you can hear for that stuff and to reach out. You can always reach out to Mark. Um, I He's got long emails, man. I don't, it's probably Sniper's Hide Training at Gmail or Alaska Precision Rifle at Gmail. He does these really long fronts, so I don't know 100% what he's doing. Um, but I think it's Sniper's Hide Training at Gmail and Alaska Precision Rifle might be training too at Gmail. I got to look him up because um, I just don't remember right now. But anyway, you can reach us and you know how to find us, man. We're pretty easy to find. Mark, you can find on Facebook. Um, pretty simple uh, under Taylor there. Uh, he's that way or he's enough said on Sniper's Hide and he's selling the rear bags and he's doing that. So he's pretty easy to find right now through the rear bags. Chris, Chris has the Straight Dope podcast. He has Riflecraft and you can get a hold of him for the classes and what we're going on. We're ready though now. Um, I'm in a good place. I'm in a nice place where these, where everything is, is, is Good to go, man, and, and no hesitation to have you guys come out, jump into it. It's not necessarily an experimentation anymore, although we do kind of come across things that change something right there in the moment. But the program is solidified. The program is solid, and we're ready to roll um, with students. And we're going to be moving in 2023. We're probably going to start March in Fort Morgan and go all the way to November, um, and so we have that for other announcements and stuff going on. Precision Rifle Expo next month in Texas. I will be at the Precision Rifle Expo. I'm doing a WTF clinic. So I'm going to talk wind target fundamentals. So I'll give you a little bit of what we do wind wise. We'll talk a little weaponized math and how all those play into the fundamentals. So I'm going to give a little quick WTF one hour presentation uh, they're really cheap, really inexpensive. If you're local to Texas or can get there and want to check out the expo, I think the expo is going to become a big thing. I'm supporting the expo because I think it has more merit than SHOT Show. And I know a lot of you guys can't get into SHOT Show. If you have the ability to get a weekend off in, in November, 
come to Texas to the Precision Rifle Expo, I think it's worth it. I mean, between Emil's win class, my class, some of the other clinics, the hands-on, the shooting, we get people like a big, I'm, I'm running the Zeiss. I'm really liking the Zeiss. Everybody who sees the Zeiss I have loves the Zeiss, right? But guys are still like, hey, I want to compare the 6-36 Zeiss to the 6-36 Vortex. Okay, you know, they want somebody to compare. I want somebody to compare that to that. I have. Nobody wants your answer. So what good does it do anymore? These are so skewed now. My look, right? Because, I mean, think about it. I, I like the Zeiss. I'm running the Zeiss. Everybody who's been on every one of my Zeiss likes it. I have had people come up to me and go, oh, wow, yours looks really good. So-and-so's didn't look as well. Well, what I'm finding is it's set up. These guys aren't setting these things up correctly. Of course, they look like shit. Your ocular's fucking buried. You didn't undo it. You didn't do it right. You know, it's like you don't know how to set your scope up, and then it looks weird. And when you change something, everything looks a little out of whack. You know, oh, my reticle went fuzzy when I moved this. Oh, this went out of focus here. And it's like, uh, okay, maybe there's one or two that aren't perfect. Something's off. I get it. It's a product that's may make a thousand of them. Ten of them are not right. Okay, cool. But like I go out and say I like the Zeiss. Aaron Hip goes out and says it's the worst scope out of these ones he's checked. And so who do you believe? Well, he might not be wrong, but he might be biased. I might not be wrong, but I might be biased. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I have a lot of options. I love my zero comps. I'm running the zero comps right alongside the Zeiss. I don't see any big difference between the two. To me, it comes down to reticle. Okay, They're both straightforward, simplistic scopes that don't have some weird bang and whistle that is like, why did they do that? They're all, boom, solid, good scopes. The zero comp, the Zeiss. I like them both. I like the Collis. I think Collis is a great scope for the money. Night Force, best, right? I, I can't break this scope. Get a Night Force. I can't have a problem with this scope. Get a Night Reticle, I need this, right? Your horses and your, get a Night Force. So, like, you look at those different things. Red, you know, Night Force has its niche. Zeiss has its niche. Zero Comp has its niche. Even, like, the Leopolds are in their space. They're more affordable. They're out there. They're bigger. They have their niche that we see more of them. You know, I got 12 people in the class. There are five Leopolds. That should tell, you know what I mean? It's that kind of stuff. That is their spot. And so all these things are going on with this stuff. And um, so, yeah, it's weird. But come on out to the expo is where you get exposed to that stuff, where you'll see them hands on, where you can compare. What do you feel? How does it feel to you? How does it light you up? Because really, when you're picking a scope, one, you want to pick the reticle that speaks to you. And then you look at that brand and that system, this turret system, this, you know, however, and then your mag range. Well, not a lot of them cross over mag range. That that would be a, a high, all right, I want a 6 to 36. Okay, I got this one and this one and this one to look at. I got a Bushnell, I got a Zeiss, and I got the Vortex where I'm going to look at these 6 to 30. Okay, cool. Well, which reticle do I want? Well, I really like the Bushnell mover reticle, the gap reticle, because those guys do this at K&M, and that really works good. Okay, cool. Well, I got this over here. The zero uh, Zeiss is the same reticle as that. Well, I'm running this for other Zeiss. This is the same reticle. I should use the same reticle I'm using across the board. The Vortex. Oh, I have a Gen 2. I'm going to go and stick with the Vortex brand because that's the reticle I'm used to. I know where things are on that reticle. You know what I mean? That kind of, those are how you answer those kind of questions. Not like, oh, cool, Bob likes this one, and Bob said it's the coolest one, and Bob said I should get that one, and Bob thought it was really cool. And it's like, well, you're doing all this, and what Bob's recommending is completely outside of where you are. And you've been pretty successful over here, and and now you want to step up to a better piece of glass. Okay, you're going to go outside the box and start over. Okay, got it. Yeah, but, I mean, those are the questions. Anyway, guys, I'm going to bring this to you. I got more to talk about. 
I just want to let you know, this is, I'm going to kill this knowledge bomb kind of deal right here. Um, and then we'll go from there. So thanks for watching. Oh yeah, you watch the videos, but thanks for listening. Thanks for being part of this. Thanks for sticking with the Everyday Sniper. I'm going to come back, you, come back at you hard and heavy over the winter, give you something to listen to, something to talk about. Uh, we'll throw up some controversies. We'll throw up some conversations with people. We got stuff to do, and we're going to bring it to you on a more consistent basis moving forward. I've My break is over, all right? I'm done with my break. I feel good. Um, and then, oh, lastly, my trip fell apart up in Alaska. I never ended up doing it. I went... To the water, didn't like things weren't right. Got got went home. Um, gonna end up doing a hunt later down the road, but this my Alaska trip was canceled. Um, guns didn't show up for forty eight hours. This didn't work. That it was just like w everything said don't go. And so when I got to the point where it was like I had to make the decision, it was like listen. This said, don't go. This just said, don't go. This said, don't go. I'm going home. I ended up going home. Uh, so that's what happened. I had a, um, I had a weekend trip in Alaska that turned around that cost me a metric ton of money and I did nothing, but yeah, visited uh, a couple of people. Thanks to, uh, Daryl. I got stuff coming up for Daryl for spailing me out at one point and it fell through. So I got to take care of Daryl up there too. Didn't forget you just got home from trips so sending out stuff, um, building new stuff. Oh, man, I got so much going on. Guys, thanks a lot. I'll talk to you soon. I am the heck out of here. <laughs>